All right, we're going to jump into uh, some Bible together. Matthew chapter 9 is where we're going to drive tonight. Matthew 9, verse 35. And um, as you're turning there, as uh, John Mark introduced, uh, we, we have uh, recently transitioned from the UK, from uh, just a flourishing church community there, and we've moved to the west coast of the US, not because we love the weather, even though the weather is much better than in Ireland, um, but we're here because we absolutely believe that God is writing a story in this nation in these days. We are uh, passionately in pursuit of where the Holy Spirit is poured out, and uh, we don't really, in a sense, we don't really pay attention uh, to what others are saying, but what we desperately long for is for the Holy Spirit to speak His story over the West Coast and, of course, into the whole of the nation of the U.S. So there's never been, has there, there's never been a better time to be the church, never been a better time to be the hope of the world. We need hope now more than any other time, never been a better time to be brokers of a different future never been a better time to be people who tell a different story and who step into that story. And tonight we're going to step into a story as old as time. It is the story of the one who we invited right at the beginning as John Mark sang. And how good a singer is he? He knows things like third, fifth, and seventh. I don't even know what that means. He said beforehand, I'm not a very good singer. And then he comes out with, now take it to the fifth. Dude, come on. You're like practically operatic trained. This is remarkable. This is remarkable. Uh, but, but just as we welcome the Holy Spirit, we, we have this full recognition, and it is an honor to be here um, in Portland, and it's a, always a pleasure to uh, be anywhere around Bridgetown and what Jesus is doing there. You really are a remarkable community, and what God has authored in you is a source of wonder. God has graced you in a particular way. He's given you a robust mind for your community, but He's given you more than that. He's given you this beautiful, tender heart. And so I always look forward to gathering. It's unusual to, I mean this respectfully, it's unusual to meet people who think clearly and worship passionately. That's a rare thing. Just going to say it out loud. That's a rare thing. And you host that well, and you do that beautifully. And uh, you have this value for ancient and for future. And the story that we're stepping into tonight, the story of the Holy Spirit, is an ancient story. He is, um, he is my best friend. He's as the smartest person that I know. He's an absolute genius at everything. And yet he's incredibly humble. He's beautiful, and He's wise, and He's gentle, and He's tender of heart, and He is desperately, deeply kind, like He's so kind, and He's so uh, refreshing to be around. There's like this joy that is around Him. There's this atmosphere that follows Him everywhere He goes, and He is your friend too, and uh, we get this joy of spending however long it is, this little time together, just stepping in further to the story of God. And uh, we're going to pick up Matt's version of the story, Matthew chapter 9 here, and um, we're going to step into that, to that story. But I, I just wanted to remind you how Matthew's story opens up. It opens up after 400 years of silence. And the story until then had been marked with voice and presence, and suddenly you have the gap, you have the absence, you have the silence, and no one's really heard of the Holy Spirit. Nobody's uh, encountered Him in any um, 
way that was tangible or that could be passed on to others. And Matthew's gospel opens, and we begin to hear of the Holy Spirit moving again. We discover Jesus. <laughs> we discover Jesus, and we're going to run into Jesus' heart tonight, aren't we? Don't you want that? Isn't He the only hope for Portland? Like, church is good, but Jesus is better. He just is. And so we're going to jump into his heart, but it opens up um, with this wonderful promise over Jesus' mom that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her and that she would give birth to the Savior of the earth. And you have this moment where we recognize, man, Jesus' birth is by the Spirit. And as Matthew continues the story, he goes on to Jesus' baptism where the Holy Spirit comes and rests upon Jesus and remains upon him. I long to know what that's like as a continuous thing in my life. And then he goes on to say how Jesus was driven by the Holy Spirit into the desert. And it's very clear that the guiding principle, the guiding person in Jesus' life is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is someone that Jesus is following and pursuing, and he's led by him into the wilderness. And then the Bible says he came out in Matthew's gospel. He comes out of the desert in the fullness of the Holy Spirit and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he begins to move towards cities. And as Matthew continues his story, Jesus begins to teach out of that power of the Holy Spirit, out of that wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And we have this beautiful, uh, greatest sermon ever told, according to many, the Sermon on the Mount, all delivered by the Holy Spirit or under the influence or under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to Matthew chapter 8, and we'll dial back into this in a few moments. But Matthew chapter 8 is where Matthew just begins to document all these moments where Jesus does amazing things, like only Jesus things, like healing incredible disease, raising people from the dead, like just bring, being and bringing good news to cities and villages, and He's doing it all under the power of the Holy Spirit, and it's just this uniqueness thing. And so we pick it up in Matthew 9, verse 35, and all the while that Jesus is doing all of that, He's got this little tribe, this little group of friends around Him who are just in awe. They're like, how do you do that, dude? That's like the greatest thing I've ever seen. And they're about to get the shock of their life because He's about to say, all right, boys, over to you. <laughs> and they're about to, and some of you tonight, you're going to have that experience. This will not be um, just a talk tonight. We're going to partner together. I can't set them up as the best friend ever and not give you the privilege of partnering with them in his house. And so we're going to partner with him in this. But he basically says, over to you boys, and we're going to discover that they actually have to do what Jesus has been doing. Now, it's one thing to honor Jesus and applaud Him when He heals the sick. It's another thing to partner with Him in doing that. It's another thing to learn how to do that. That can feel like just out of our depth, gloriously out of our depth. But before we get to that, let's just pick it up in Matthew 9, verse 35. It says, Then Jesus went about all the cities and villages. Our assumption, our belief in that is because the Holy Spirit led Him to do that that the Holy Spirit always leads us towards cities and villages, always leads us to where people are, that this um, conference, this Holy Spirit conference, is that the Spirit might be poured out on the church for the sake of the city, that the Holy Spirit desires more than just an emotion or an encounter, but He desires to empower us for the sake of broken humanity, that the goal of the Holy Spirit is not for better, better meetings, it is for changed cities. 
And when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, and when He rests upon us, and when He remains upon us, it begins to bring life to cities. Industries begin to come alive. New enterprises begin to spring up. Invention and innovation begins to till into the city. Hope bursts forth in places where no one thought hope could come. And so Jesus is led by the Spirit. He's in the cities and the villages. He's teaching in the synagogues. He's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. We'll come to that. And he is healing every disease and sickness among the people. And this is Jesus. This is Jesus, the one who reigns in irrefutable righteousness, the one who reigns in uncontested victory, the one seated at the right hand of the Father. Through his incarnation, he makes healing visible to us. We begin to see him walking around, making it known that there is a God whose heart is moved towards the broken and who brings wholeness to them. And the incarnation, the story that we're steeped in and immersed in is this story of healing becoming visible. Through the crucifixion, He makes healing available to us. He says, by my stripes you're healed. And He makes, He opens up this way where healing can begin to come on the earth and begin to be seen, not only visible through the life of Jesus, but available for those who come after Him. And through His cross, He dethrones and disarms the principalities and the powers of darkness. And the Father looks at Him in the tomb, and He raises Him up. Jesus doesn't rise from the dead. The Father raises the Son because death could not hold Him because He had lived sinlessly and perfectly and righteously. The Father looks, and He raises up the Son. He says, sit down at my right hand, Son, until I make your enemies your footstool. And He If the incarnation makes healing visible to us and the crucifixion makes it available, it is the resurrection that makes it possible. It puts power in our heart and our hands that we did not have previously. And this Jesus, this one with whom we have to do, He's just immersed in the Holy Spirit and He lives out of the reality of the Holy Spirit And then he begins to commission and empower us to do what he's doing. And so the Bible says he is healing in this passage. He's healing every disease and sickness. It's just stunning, isn't it? uh, I don't know if you're one of those folks who underlines or circles your Bible. Just turn to your neighbor and say, underline or circle? Like, which do you do? It's like Coke, Pepsi. What do you do? Underline, circle. Uh, But there's just some... There's just some great little phrases in that. You, you'll want to at least circle every, every sickness. <laughs> Jesus healed every sickness. That's just pretty impressive. Every disease. So you might want to circle that. And then among the people. That's just a beautiful phrase. And again, um, if we have time tonight, we'll come back to that. Just uh, healing among the people. It says, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. So, I just want to set this kind of theological construct for what we want to do practically tonight and say this. We do not heal the sick because we long to move in power. That's not why we heal the sick. We heal the sick because it is the expression of divine compassion. It's what integrity does when it's confronted with brokenness. It's what integrity does when it's confronted with with brokenness. We look and we say, I have a source available to me in the midst of this situation through the resurrection of Christ. There's something available in my life that I cannot deny. 
and that I'm going to make freely available to you. And so we don't heal the sick so we can move in power or be seen to be doing great exploits, as fun as those are, and those are fun. We heal the sick because we just long, we long for people to encounter Jesus. We long for them to know Him in His kindness, His goodness, His wholeness. Uh, we longing to make Him visible to them. And He was moved by compassion, and He healed the sick. And uh, you know the rest of that little passage there in Matthew 9. What you may or may not know is that chapter 10 doesn't actually exist in the original Bible. They just put it in there to make it easy so that we knew, finish chapter 9 today, we'll read chapter 10 tomorrow. Right? But in the original, it just ran continuously. In other words, the context for chapter 10 is Matthew 9, 35 and following. And so it says this. It says, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gave them power over unclean spirits to cast them out. Just say to your neighbor, I'll get you later. <laughs> I'm teasing. Scottish humor. To heal all kinds of disease, all kinds of sickness. Verse seven, or verse six. Actually, let me go back to verse five. Then Jesus sent out the 12 and commanded them, saying, do not go in the way of the Gentiles, do not enter the city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach this message, the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received, freely give. He says, hey, I, I'm going to put my power on you, boys. It's over to you. I want you to do it. If we had time tonight, I would encourage you and, and maybe do it in your small groups or with a group of friends. Look at Matthew 8 and 9 and look at the different headings, just the headings in it of Matthew 8 and 9. And then look at what Jesus commands them to do. It's pretty much what he's been doing in those two chapters. Like, oh, he's basically saying, hey, you've watched me do it. You've been an observer. Now I want you to become a partner. I want you to do this. And so he sends them out, and he says, hey, as you go, and so I'm going to give you a whistle-stop tour in healing tonight. We'll lean in a little more tomorrow. Lean in a little more tomorrow. And uh, the first thing you need to know is that healing comes as you go. In other words, that healing was the never really designed just to be contained and confined for church services, but it's designed to show up in the streets and in the cities, and that you're going to see way more people healed beyond the church than you'll ever see healed in church. And there's all sorts of reasons for that in our experience. Uh, we had this ministry at home in Ireland not home anymore, Northern Ireland, uh, called Healing in the Streets, where we would take this large banner that just said healing, and we'd position it in the market square, and we'd put out like four or five chairs, and people would just come to be healed of all kinds of sicknesses and disease. I think it's like year, is it 13 or 14? I forget that we've been doing that. They've been doing that there every week in a small community. Now, here's uh, what you need to know. Sometimes whole buses, whole mini buses come with soccer players, Still getting used to saying that. <laughs> Forgive me, Luke. Go Norwich. <laughs> of soccer players show up just to be healed of their injuries so they can go play their game. <laughs> uh, just out in the middle of the street, in the driving rain. It's just like Portland. That's why it feels so homely here. 
And they'll come and, and they'll watch just the Spirit of God do remarkable things. Now, here's what you need to know. I used to believe in healing. I believed it was possible. I believed God could do it because He's God, right? He can do those things. I was a vineyard pastor. John Wimber wrote the book, Power Healing. So I knew my job description essentially meant I was supposed to do this stuff, not only from the Bible, but in my denomination, it was kind of expected. And I was stewarding the open secret. And the open secret was this. Even though I believed in healing, I never really saw anyone healed. And usually when I prayed for people who were sick, I caught what they had. Yeah. Anyone else just roughly in that area there? And we would pray for people in church. We would do like we'll do tonight. We would invite people to come to the front, and we would pray for them. And honestly, at times it was really good. Like there was sometimes when you get one, and you're like, this is amazing. But like most of the time, it's really discouraging. Yeah, they went away the same way they came, and we had prayed our best Pentecostal prayers. We had prayed our best Baptist prayers. We had prayed in the name of Jesus. We had prayed in the name of Jesus. We had, we had accentuated and emphasized every one of those words in that sentence, in the name of Jesus, and still pretty limited transformation. And because what we'd assumed was this, we'd assumed that because nothing much happened with healing in the church, nothing much would happen beyond the church. And when we showed up into our city with our banner, we discovered that God had been waiting there all along just for His church to leave the building. It's like, hey, if you come out, it's as you go. It was always as you go, healing comes. It was always that way. It was the commission to the first disciples. It's no different for us as His disciples. As we're learning to follow Jesus, and I know you have a huge value for that. Uh, as He is forming His life in us and moving with us, He leads us to people who are far from Him, and we find ourselves among the people. And that's that little phrase you want to circle in that. So we have a group of students. Um, some of them are with us. I'm going to ask Liz, uh, to come for a moment and just share. Um, this is kind of new for her um, in terms of standing in churches and, and uh, doing this. And I wonder, is it okay to use this mic, John Mark? Uh, I wonder, Liz, if you would just share. Um, is it already on or is it just here? Let's see if that's. Does this work? It okay. works. Uh, share a little with us on the story from Chino, if you would, and just... Yeah, so on Wednesdays, we go out as an outreach team um, and pray for people in the streets for healing or um, kind of whatever we're leaning into. And we were at a ministry for the homeless um, run by Charlene King. Her son is here. And one of the women who was serving um, at this ministry sat down in a chair um, that we prayed for about an hour and there was a line the entire time for people to sit in the chairs and receive prayers for healing and she told us her story that she was in prison for life and didn't know jesus but felt like god told her to go to the library and educate herself and advocate for herself to get out of prison which she did over the course of i think a year and a half so she was sitting in the chair and tells us she has lupus and she's getting chemotherapy for an ulcer that the, that the lupus has caused in her eye. 
So we prayed for her, just spoke words over her life and healing for her eye, and we could see the red and raised ulcer start to shrink um, visibly. Even the tracks of her tears started to change as um, her eye, the ulcer started to shrink. And the next day, um, Dave's mom, Charlene, texted us a photo and um, that she had come back and said that her, the ulcer in her eye had been completely healed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you are just practicing, aren't you learning, how do I pursue the Holy Spirit in my daily rhythms? You told me a story in the airport today that was just this really cool story that I think for those of us who are saying, yeah, I, I, want, to, I want to follow the Holy Spirit and I want to learn how to do this, just tell us a little on that, would you? Sure. So I'll tell you about a really good outreach day because um, it's a conference, so I'll tell you a highlight day. Um, <laughs> I often uh, wake up in the morning and I just ask um, the Holy Spirit, show me what God is up to today. Um, I would love to join in. And um, for those of you who go to Bridgetown, you guys had a really awesome speaker last May that talked about dreams, interpreting dreams, and um, even her own dreams. Um, So that was hugely helpful for me because I already have had experiences like that, but she really demystified it. So um, often God in the morning will show me a little clip of something and um, I'll see that person. So I had had one kind of percolating for a couple weeks. I had talked to one of my um, team members about it at Vineyard, and um, it was about a woman named Patricia. And I also had um, a feeling I would run into someone that had pain um, severely in their right wrist. And then another one about a mom um, with a stroller that will have obvious pink in it in a different kind of way. So there was um, a ministry team in from Ireland, so we went to Laguna Beach so that they would have a pretty place to do outreach with us. And um, the first lady we ran into was an amazing woman. She brings a crock pot full of chili and cornbread and cupcakes to the beach regularly and just sets up with her husband and lets homeless people come and just have a picnic with her, uh, look out at the ocean and just have a nice time. So we asked her name and it was Patricia. Um, and I just told her about my dream that, um, she had a vase that was blue and white that carried memories, um, of her mom, both tangibly and materially, but also, um, that her mom was a part of a legacy that she was carrying on and that her children would carry on. And she, um, and it was just a blessing, um, to even be around this woman for us, um, Philip and I. And um, she said, sure enough, her daughter was getting married that next weekend and had asked for something she could remember her grandma. And it was um, perfume in a blue and white vase. And her mom is actually who um, really just gave her the heart for compassion for the poor. So um, it was it, just like Ellen said, it was really just God's love um, just flowing through us that he sees her, um, he loves her and um, what she's just doing here in the world. Um, So we got to pray for her, and then we continued to walk up the boardwalk in Laguna with the ocean and the sunshine, and we saw a um, Persian couple about in their late 50s, and she had a wrist brace on her right wrist. So I told Philip, I was like, okay, so that's another one. We're going to go up to her because um, I felt like we were going to pray for a right wrist, and 
they um, used to follow Islam, and when they came to America, they were just burnt out on any kind of faith. And they told us that right away, but we might as well just pray. So they, she took off her wrist brace, and there's a jagged, fresh scar, and her right hand is swollen, and she has no mobility in her right hand. So we prayed for it once, and in Farsi, I could tell she was telling her husband, like, I don't, I don't know if there's a difference, but she um, definitely was curious. So we prayed for her again, and then a third time, and by the time we left her, um, the swelling had visibly gone down, and she had... I would say 70% of her mobility. And she was telling her husband in Farsi, like she was trying to convince him that um, things had changed. And he was very opposed and uncomfortable. And um, as we stood up, she was so happy. And um, he said to Philip, thank you so much for your prayers. I'm not sure I believe any of this, but thank you for your prayers. And she grabbed my hands and said, I believe it though. I believe God is healing me. Um, so that was another good one. Yeah. So I, I just love the level of risk in that, don't you? It's, it's bold to just do a day with Jesus and he shows you a woman named Patricia and she's got a vase and all that kind of stuff and it happens uh, in the room. Um, this would be a good point for us to take a step of risk, wouldn't it? Keep Keep in step with the Spirit requires a little bit of a step. So I'm going to throw a low-level one, and then we'll do what's in your heart. Is that okay? Sure. That just is where my faith is. Okay. Is that all right? <laughs> good, good. So why don't we, uh, why don't we all stand together? Because uh, I, uh, I think in the heart of the guys here is that this conference would encourage and stimulate activation where we're actually doing... Uh, this stuff together. Um, uh, why don't we start here? Uh, there's just a number of you. You've had um, conditions in your legs. You've had uh, limited movement there. Uh, you've had some pain there, some discomfort there. What you don't know is that even during the worship tonight, the Lord's just healed you. It's not tons of people, but it is either four or more. And it's just been problems in your legs, been recurring. Some of you, it's been for a number of years. Uh, but the Lord's just healed you. And the reason you don't know is because you, uh, you've been so passionately worshiping and you haven't yet tried it out. So I want to encourage you, let's do it this way. Um, if, if you've had any pain at all or any problems with your legs, stiffness there, or any of that kind of stuff, around the knees, the lower legs, uh, I want to encourage you, just try doing something you couldn't do before. Only if it's legal, only if it's appropriate. So... <laughs> Um, you know, here's, here's two options on it. You can do the, the London policeman. You can go evening all, evening all, right? You can try that if you want to be discreet. Or if you want to be flamboyant, you can do the Irish river dance. <laughs> that, whichever way you want to go, go ahead and, and try it. So uh, those of you with problems, might be a sports injury, might be um, some cartilage that hasn't healed, might be rubbing in the knees, but problems in your uh, from the knees essentially down, lower legs. Uh, just think there's uh, at least four of you in the room that the Lord's already touched in that area. And I think as you'll try it out, uh, you'll begin to see it. So uh, happy to go ahead and try it out. Already done so? If, if, if so, say I. I. Wonderful. Uh, those of you who've tried it out and there's healing there, significant improvement or healing there, would you just wave at me? Just put both your arms up in the air. I can't see. There's one here, two. Uh, is there any 
Is there any on this side? I see three, uh, which means my fourth is here. And is there any more? Is there any up in the balcony? It's hard to see. And uh, the reason we do that in that moment without praying is to uh, help you understand and all of us enter together that healing comes from His presence. Healing isn't something Jesus does. Jesus is the healer, right? It's just, it's in who He is. It's in His nature. Healing flows out of the nature, the character, the favor, and the order of God. So, anytime He's in the room and we're in His presence, His power is also available to us. Now, that's beautiful, and it's great to see that. The problem with that is we don't learn how to pray, and we want to learn how to pray. So, um, who's the person uh, you've been having problems with? Uh, you've had a thyroid condition. It's been causing you um, intermittent problems with that. I don't even know how you begin to check that condition, uh, but where are you? I get the sense you're female and you're to my left, which might either mean you're here or up here, uh, but where are you? Uh, thyroid condition, it's so hard. It's up here, is it? Right up the, right at the very top, up the very back. Got you. You're about as far on the left as it's possible to go. Some folks just begin and, and pray there. And then, Liz, your story had two components to it, which were? Um, I think we should do lupus or any autoimmune, um, and we could pray for that and the side effects, and then um, eyes and right wrist. But we could do either wrist. Don't yeah. Right so, um, Let's do this, just in, in administrating it in the room, and uh, we'll pray a little later, full-on prayer. Um, there's, somebody, there's some people here, and God is bringing healing right now to your right eye. You've had problems with your right eye in particular. As one of you, you've been recovering from some kind of infection in that. Where are you? I think, again, I'm just going with my right eye. I think it's probably in the right-hand side, uh, but I'll take the left. But you've had recent… <laughs> You've recently had an infection in your right eye. Where are you? You're, uh, I think if this is helpful, I think, I can't quite make it up, but I think you're either 23 or 28, and I can't tell whether it's an eight or a three, but uh, you've recently had an infection in your uh, eye. You're 23 or 28. And of course, I could be completely wrong, and this could be, but, but I don't think I am. Yes, and are you, is it legal for me to even ask in a public setting, see how long it is since I've left the UK that I ask these questions now publicly, are you 23 or 28? 28, wonderful, wonderful. Well, wouldn't it just be good for some of you guys nearer when the Lord is that specific, like wouldn't it be good to pray into that? And while we're doing that, if you've got problems at all, oh, sorry, I'm so sorry, I didn't explain what happened there and it's not helpful to you. It just looks like, how does he do that 23, 28 thing? And <laughs> like, but I'm so sorry. Uh, it, all it is is picking up on what Liz had with the eyes. My sense was the Lord wanted to bring some healing to right eye. I felt it might be in the right-hand side of the room, and I felt it would be helpful to you to encourage your faith if we went a little more specific. And so I just asked the Lord, what's the age group here? And I couldn't make out if it was a three or eight. So, uh, so it, it's not as clever as it looks. <laughs> Is that okay? But do you see that there's an element of risk in it? Right. Uh, it? There's some other folks here, and I do believe the Lord is even now, He's just beginning to touch your eyes. So, 
Um, but let's, let's pray for one another in this. So the uh, best way to do it, if you were all, if you're okay with it, best way to do it is if you have eyes, would you remain standing? <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. And then if you have problems with your eyes, it could be anything, could be infection, could be glaucoma, could be um, partial blindness, partial sight, uh, all of that kind of stuff. Would you just raise both hands? Okay, so that's a number of people in the room. Uh, we will go full-on prayer in a little while, but if, if you're near them and you have a pulse, <laughs> would, you just, uh, when you, would you just go near them, just tap them on the shoulder and say, uh, you are most blessed among men or women. I will pray for you now in my greatness. <laughs> or, or you could say, hey, I'm going to pray my best prayer for you tonight. How about that one? So if you're near them, go pray. And what was the other one? Or wrist, wrist conditions, wrist conditions. And again, if you've got problems, uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, uh, broken wrist, your wrist fractured and it hasn't reset, your gentleman, I think you might be in your 40s, your wrist fractured a while ago and it hasn't reset, um, any of that. But if you're here and you've got problems in your wrists, again, just raise both hands if you would. Yeah. Uh, and are any of you a gentleman in your 40s? You just wave at me. Just helps me see what I'm seeing. Yep. And, and is it or a result of fracture? No? It's unknown. Okay. Okay. So those who have their hands raised, again, you just go and begin to pray. Now, you might have to do something uh, a little unusual and just scoot across the seats to pray for them. So if you're in any of those categories or autoimmune diseases, just go ahead and raise your hands. And if you're near them, uh, go ahead and gather around them and pray your best prayer. Now, I want to instruct you what we're going to do here, if this is okay with you. Uh, Jesus' prayers in the Bible were really short. So Jesus would pray for the deaf, and he would say, ears be open. When he prayed for the blind, he would say, see. And so his prayers were really short. Often our prayers are like super long. <laughs> we're really hoping to pray ourselves into it is what's happening, right? We're like, pray. So I want to encourage you to pray for 30 seconds your best prayer for them. And um, we might as well take anyone else who has, so you can raise your hands too, any problems with your knees. Why don't you just raise your hands as well? So you got any problems with your knees, just wave, wave at them, and then go gather around. And, and here's what I'd love for you to do. We're going to pray for 30 seconds, and then when I ask you to stop praying, would you do me the favor, and I do realize that's unusual in church. When I ask you to stop praying, would you stop praying in that moment so they can try it out? and then we'll pray a second time. If so, say we will. We will. We will. Wonderful. Okay. I'll pray and then release you to pray. Father, thank you for your grace and your presence. We take authority over every area of disease and dysfunction. In the name of Jesus, we command eyes to be open, ophthalmic conditions to be healed, infection to go. Uh, we open ears, open ears in the room right now, Lord. Open ears in the room. Uh, we speak to the wrist, to carpal tunnel syndrome, to uh, fractures, to bone malformation, to um, 
arthritis, we command it to go now. We command healing to come. And every autoimmune disease to be healed and whole. Every condition where there's been a blood disorder to be healed and whole in Jesus' name. And then go ahead, guys. Pray your best prayer. This would be a great point to bring your prayer to close. And then... Um, just ask them to try doing something they couldn't do before. So you say, hey, could you try that out in some way? All, again, only if it's comfortable, only if it's appropriate. Could you try that out in some way? All right. So if they're, if they're trying it out, and this is, this is where I need uh, your attention just for a moment. If they're trying it out, uh, what I'd love for you to do, if there's been change or improvement, and you're the person praying or the person being prayed for, if there's been change or improvement, would you go ahead and clap five times? Okay, that sounds good, doesn't it? That's better than two hours ago. Yes? Happy to pray a second time, your best prayer. And I want to encourage you this time to speak to the condition. I know this sounds a little strange, but what you're doing in that moment is you're using your authority, and so you're uh, speaking to the knee, and you're saying, be healed, or you're speaking to the eye, and you're saying, be healed, or you're speaking to the wrist, and you're saying, be healed. But try that. Of course, if you're already in a groove of prayer, just do what you're already doing. Something is breaking loose in the room. Uh, incidentally, um, oh, we'll come back to that. So, so go ahead and just go for that the next 30 seconds. Father, again, we thank you for what you've done. We're so grateful to you, Lord, and we ask for more. Father, we take authority over every disease, every disorder, every dysfunction. We command those blood disorders to be healed in the name of Jesus, that when the doctor's report comes back, it would be all clear, that lupus would be gone in Jesus' name. We speak to the knees. We command wholeness and strength into them in Jesus' name. Be strong. We command the wrist, carpal tunnel to go, arthritis to go, fractures to be healed, strength to return. Where there's a limp wrist, let strength return. And go ahead, guys, your best prayer. Brilliant, guys. That's wonderful praying. And so, uh, go. Yeah, just applauding yourself praying. It's like, <laughs> we prayed. We prayed. Yay, God. In Portland, people are praying in Portland. This is like, come on. That is a miracle. That is a miracle. Um, all right. If, if you've prayed, if you're the person praying or being prayed for and there's been a change, improvement, or healing in either of those two occasions, so either the first time or the second time, change, improvement, or healing, and you're the person who prayed or was being prayed for, would you go ahead and clap five times again? <laughs> Wonderful. All right, would some of you wave at us if you're the person where there's change, improvement, or healing, would you just go ahead and wave both hands? It just allows us to see in the room, and it encourages faith in the room right across here, up in the balcony. Just wonderful, wonderful. Now, now, just momentarily put your hand on your head and say, Jesus, would you do the same thing in Fred Myers? Yeah. Right? And in Kova. Is it Kova? And in Kova. And in Uber. Would you do the same, same thing?